1: each Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, we broadcast live from Boston to go all around the world of sports for one hour to discuss what happened this weekend and what's ahead for the week. To join the show, the call in number is 1 888 346 9144, or you can email me at IIR at Comcast.net. As always, I will give you my highlights, lowlights, bizarre news items, and event of the week that I attended. Also, we will be joined next segment by our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. Well, my highlight of the week is, of course, the epic mano-a-mano matchup at the Masters yesterday between Sergio Garcia and Justin Rose. Sergio finally broke through to win his first major in 74 tries, and this was simply golf at its highest level, And both players performed, rather than just avoiding mistakes, which you sometimes see on Sunday at Augusta. But this was the opposite of that, and it just made for fabulous TV. Sergio's par save on the back nine, his eagle at 15, I believe it was, uh, was just spectacular. Justin Rose, steady player. Won the U.S. Open at Marion, so he has a major to his credit. I was there at Marion in Philadelphia in 2013 when he won. And uh, Justin Rose also was Olympic gold medalist. So, uh, two great players, and one of the things that just jumped out at me was the sportsmanship between the two, uh, basically applauding each other Throughout the the back nine, which was just something you don't normally see. It obviously stems from their European heritage and Ryder Cup camaraderie. And was certainly befitting of golf in general and the Masters in particular. And Sergio, uh, you know, lined up that putt on the 18th and... It's what anybody watching the Masters wants to see. Uh, One shot to win the Masters, period. And he had it and slipped away. Bad read. He hit it a little right. It never broke left, which he anticipated it would, of course. And uh, never had a chance. But to his credit, he recovered uh, to win the playoff hole. Of course, Justin Rose... Hit it, uh, in the weeds, the pine weeds, uh, pine tar, pine trash, they call it. And, uh, pine needles and just simply didn't have a shot on the playoff hole. His second shot, he had no choice but to, uh, but to just punch it out. He had trees blocking his path to the green and then Sergio ended it with a bang by, uh, Pulling out his final putt, exactly as you like to see in the Masters, beats a tap-in. Hit about a 12-footer to win it. His emotion was just spectacular to witness, and well deserved. And you know he's a passionate guy, so I expected some serious emotion, and uh, and we got that and more. Lots of tremendous camera work by CBS, but for me the money shot was the the one where. His fiance was clearly visible in the background as he uh, made that final putt to win it. And it was just uh, a classic shot, to say the least. So good for him. It's amazing how Sergio has gone from uh, an unpopular European Ryder Cup player, showing emotion through many Ryder Cups, that didn't always sit well with American fans, uh, but he certainly came full circle yesterday. He had the crowd squarely behind him. I was behind him. And, uh, and it was just, again, great theater. It was time. It really, as each hole unfolded on the back nine, uh, it became more and more evident, at least in my mind, that uh, it was kind of a now or never. He was really never going to have a better opportunity to win a major, let alone the masters against a worthy opponent, more than capable of winning in Justin Rose. So uh, So Sergio carried the day. and again, a gracious winner. Of course, the great storyline was that it was, would have been the six, excuse me, the 60th birthday of Sevi Ballesteros yesterday. Uh, Spain's golfing national hero, uh, who has won a couple of masters and was Sergio's mentor and friend. And, uh, so that was really, really special, uh, to say the least. And just, uh, one of the all time classic finishes and back nines, uh, on a Sunday at the masters in, in history. So. Uh AP and I will be talking a lot more about it uh, in the upcoming segments, but it was really something. And one last note on the Masters was uh, the opening ceremony on Thursday where Chairman Billy Payne honored Arnold Palmer missing his first Master and I think, something that sounds like 52 years. Uh, Arnold, of course, passed away last September, and Billy walked out with Arnold's wife and placed a green jacket on a, on a solitary lawn chair sitting right there on the first tee and gave just really an emotional and eloquent talk that just hit all the right chords. It was just awesome. He just nailed it. In every way possible in capturing the feeling there that day without Arnold and what Arnold meant to the game and to golf fans and, uh, frankly, non-golf fans everywhere in the world. A true legend and icon, uh, the likes of which we may not see again. And uh, so kudos to Billy Payne. That was really special. And, of course, then Gary Player hit and then uh, Jack Nicholson Uh, Took off his hat and pointed upward to the sky before he hit his shot, which was a really, really nice touch. So, uh, quite a weekend at the Masters, as it always is. It's awesome. My bizarre story of the week was Russell Westbrook averaging a triple-double for the year, which is bizarre in that it hasn't happened since Oscar Robertson did it decades ago the big O, and no surprise, Westbrook did it in style with a game-winning three, and uh, as he scored 50 points to beat the Nuggets yesterday, and it's just a remarkably rare event, and uh, it was really something to see. My event of the week that I attended was uh, Yunzers Club of Boston, the Pittsburgh Sports Fans' club up here in Boston, where numerous transplants who live here in Boston gather for Steeler games and uh, Penguin games and Pirate games. The Pirates were at Fenway to open the season last week, and they held a great event, pre-game party for Game 2 on Wednesday evening, uh, right around the corner from Fenway Park, uh, large group with tickets and uh just really a terrific time and uh that leads into my low light of the week which was you know simply baseball games being being played in april in bad weather in the northeast uh opening day was good at fenway park uh for the pirates and the red sox but uh wednesday's game two was quite cold And then Game 3 was rained out, and uh, many people at the Yinzer's Club party, Pittsburgh people who had flown in from the Berg, was, uh, you know, Thursday was awful weather, predicted a horrible rainstorm, which occurred, so everybody was just very disappointed. They had flown up from Pittsburgh or driven up and had to, uh, you know, and just were... Flying home the next morning or heading home the next morning, they weren't uh, weren't sticking around for the game to be called. That's how dire the forecast was, and it was a hot topic on Wednesday night, and is frankly a hot topic everywhere this season more than I've ever seen. Where everyone is just asking the simple question that why doesn't baseball simply start the season with games in either the South or? Domed stadiums, or of course, out west where the weather's nicer. Uh, you know, they just create a scheduling nightmare for themselves and the teams, it seems. And uh, it just simply, uh, you know, you're in, you're out. But yet this year it seems to have reached a new level with everybody seemingly talking about it. Uh, Baseball is a great sport, but it's no fun when it's raw and or rainy and cold and uh, in April, that's for sure. So lastly, NHL playoffs begin this week. The pairings are set. And here we go with uh, April rolling into uh, full swing. NBA playoffs right around the corner. So one of the best sports of months of the year is upon us. So now let's take our break. And next up will be our weekly call-in expert, AP Stedham, Bama Magazine. So don't go anywhere.
2: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America.
3: Join Matt Fish and Alex Clancy every week for Rebound Radio. We'll talk with the legends of basketball about how they got started, their rise to the top of the game, how basketball has changed their lives, and what they're up to now, just like the game itself you'll find that lives can pivot on a dime. There can be last-minute saves, and life is anything but run-of-the-mill. Rebound Radio can be heard live every Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time and 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. You won't want to miss the next show.
0: You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to IIR at Comcast.net. Now, back
1: to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to segment two of All Around Sports. And I'm your host, John Inglesby. To join the show, the call-in number is one. 888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. And it's that time of the show when our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine, joins us. And, A.P., how are you doing today, Uh, the day after attending the Masters?
4: Oh, I'm doing great, John. I'm glad to be here. had a fabulous weekend.
1: That's great. Well, we're just all... Uh, Dying to hear all about it. Uh, We've all heard the saying, the back nine, the Masters begins on the back nine on Sunday. And it sure did yesterday. And I don't think it's one of the all-time instant classic back nines in Masters history. So what was it like? Uh, I'm dying to hear the path that you took on the back nine.
4: Yeah, John, the course was gorgeous. And it was a beautiful day on Saturday and Sunday, and we were fortunate enough, enough to be on the 15th, at the 15th hole. So we saw oh, wow. Sergio Garcia. you know, we were right there when Sergio hit that uh, a coach shot and got it to the green and finished with an eagle. So that's like the beginning of the fourth quarter in golf, right down the 15th hole.
1: Exactly, and, and so, that may have been, you know, the winning shot notwithstanding, that may have been the shot of the day. That's when... <laughs> That's when I said he he really might win this thing. That was the moment when he hit the eagle.
4: Yeah, John, I thought the same thing. We, I mean, of all the places we could have been and all the shots we could have witnessed, we we saw the biggest one, I believe, of the entire tournament. And and Sergio, I, agree. I mean, you know, it was a great roar from the crowd, and and then from there on, it was
1: you know who
4: who, who could uh, come up with the best shots at the end of the of the uh, the round.
1: Exactly. Well, the announcers, even as far into, you know, back late as the 18th hole, uh, Nick Faudo, I believe it was, made it a point to, like, talk about the all-time Sunday Augusta roar on the 15th hole. He said, he's you know, he just put it up there, and he's been to a few of them. Uh, he put it up there with anything he's ever heard, which is really saying something. And... Good for you. You were, you were there. I mean, I, I can visualize in my head having been there in 2009. What the 15th green looks like and the crowd reaction and everything uh, was just epic. So that must I'm sure that roar is still reverberating in your head at this moment.
4: Yeah, it really is, John, because they have the seating on either side, and then everybody was lined up on the bloke as well. So it was doubly loud than a normal hole
1: I'm sure I'm sure uh and then right before them followed of course right behind it by the uh you know the uh fabulous 16th hole the par three over the water where they both hit great shots so you were just right there at uh you know at the key spot um so yeah now where were you when it all wrapped up on the 18th yeah, we
4: were at the 18th hole, and it was kind of crowded there. John, difficult to see. Uh, sure. So, yeah, you know, it was just very difficult to see. We just kind of listened, and you, you, you can gather from the crowd noise what was happening. If it was good, or if it
1: was, it you know,
4: wasn't a, wasn't a good shot. So you can hear from the crowd. It's a reflection of what was going on.
1: Oh yeah, well, it's worth being there. You can watch it on TV a gazillion times. Uh, just being part of that crowd. Of patrons, as they like to call them, uh, is you, you know uh, I, I have to assume it's one of your all-time great sports thrills.
4: Yes, it, I mean the Super Bowl, national championship football game, college football games, Final Four. That's right up there. The Masters. Uh, I'd recommend it to anybody, and it seems to be uh, a big, a lot of patrons this weekend. Just I mean, everywhere you turn, there's somebody standing next to you or trying to. Look, look for the golfer the of their choice. Or, uh, so it was, it was nice. And it, it, like I say, the weather was fabulous for two days, Saturday and Sunday.
1: Yes, I was thinking of you all week, let alone all weekend. And, uh, you know, you just you, you hit the mother load with uh, having, you know, Saturday and Sunday. I mean, the days before that were obviously windy and chilly and uh Not the greatest days to be there, but Saturday and Sunday were just perfect. And, uh, you know, I just thought of you nonstop. And, uh, yeah, that was my observation from TV, too. Uh, And I watched a lot of it, if not all of it, it seemed. uh, Where, yeah, the crowds seemed as big as I ever remember. Uh, You know, just like the tears of people. I was thinking this on the back nine yesterday, on the 15th and many others, certainly the 18th. Where it just the crowds just seemed deeper and deeper than I've ever ever can recall, uh, which was great. So good for you being there on the and again a truly special day. I mean, you just saw something historic.
4: Yeah, John. The the crowds were enormous, and there's parking uh, everywhere—street parking if you're able to get on on site, and then there's paid parking on the main street but we were able that second day, get right close to the entrance, so that worked out very well. But, but overall, I mean, Sergio, he was very consistent all, all through the tournament, as, as was Justin Rose. So you knew on Saturday when it was a couple people, half a dozen people maybe, within reach that it was going to be a, 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 a tight finish. We worked out with those two, Justin Rose and Sergio Garcia and you know, Sergio's a he's a crowd favorite and you know Justin he's likable cool as well, so it was nice to see those two gentlemen uh coming down to that playoff.
1: Oh, it was great. I mean you know, from the fifteenth on, if not before, it was match play, which as the announcer said, in effect favored Sergio to a degree. Uh because of his Ryder Cup history and uh, where he always performs well. Then again, you know, Justin Rose won the Olympics down in Rio last August, so, you know, he knows a little bit about it, too, not to mention his Ryder Cup experience. But, AP, it seemed like everybody was rooting for Sergio where I was, which is CBS scene in Foxborough, a massive TV screen, nice crowd, and everybody there was pulling for Sergio. I was, and it just seemed like uh, the crowd at Augusta was. I mean, not that you're... You don't root against Justin Rhodes. He's not... No. He's too likeable. But was that was that the feeling, that people wanted to see Sergio get his first major?
4: Probably so. I think so, John. I think that's correct. You could hear people shouting his name every time he made a good shot. Yeah, he, he's a dynamic guy, and so, yeah, I think that
1: was the case. Yeah, full of passion, and, uh, you know, and, and he earned it. I mean, the the beauty of yesterday's back nine, and you would know better than anyone, was, you, you know, they were making shots. Sometimes you see <laughs> in the Masters on the back nine where, you know, they're simply avoiding big mistakes, that type of thing. Or maybe they're making the mistakes, but they're both making them, and it still makes for an interesting round. But yesterday was they weren't doing that at all. They were making shots, and Sergio earned it, and it was just really uh, golf at the highest level. It was so much fun to watch. Oh,
4: yeah. And, John, wasn't that Seve Ballesteros' birthday? Was that correct? Did I hear that correct? Yes, that that was
1: yes. Big, big storyline, constantly discussed on TV. Uh, yesterday would have been Seve Ballesteros' 60th birthday, and it was just... Uh, that just perfect just perfect sevi was you know uh, Sergio's hero growing up he of course won the masters a couple of times as did fellow countryman Jose Maria Olathable and uh, I think Sergio wow. met sevi when he was like 10 12 years old they were showing pictures of them back in Spain and uh, he was just he was his hero yeah, so for Sergio to Win after seventy-four tries to win his first major on Sevy's sixtieth birthday was, uh, you know, you can't make this stuff up, can't write this script.
4: No, no, the timing was perfect for Sergio to win that, that Masters, and yeah, I'm sure his heart was was full of emotion uh, once he made that putt.
1: Yeah, now, the you know, knowing you were on the 18th, uh, some of the shots, uh, the pictures taken by CBS, including the one with his fiance right in the background as he sunk the winning putt, they were classics. You know, his emotion, the angles they had, uh, you know, literally the entire screen filled with like people, you know, the gallery and the patrons. And it was just really special stuff as good as uh, you know 18th green coverage of the final shot that I've ever seen It reminded me of when Phil jumped about three inches when he won his first masters and they had all those great angles this was this was the equal I don't know if you had a chance to see any of the highlights but if not be sure to check them out because they're really they're really special yeah
4: yeah I intend to watch that if you know CBS I mean, they, they always do a good job with the tournament, so I'll, I'll be, make sure that's on my list tonight
1: to review that. Yeah, so what'd you think of it? Did it meet expectations, exceed expectations? What did you think of the grounds?
4: Yeah, the grounds were pristine. I mean, that grass, John, is is unbelievable the way it's manicured, and it's fast on the greens itself, you know. Uh, so... Yeah, every every decision you make uh, is a function of those greens. I mean, if you, you hit it too hard, it's going to fly like it's on ice. And you just really need to tap it, and it, it'll take off on you if you, have that, you know, use that gravity properly.
1: Yeah, there's no greens like them. I've always used the analogy ice is a perfect one. Another one is, you know, I've always compared it to putting on a hardwood floor um <laughs> you know except there's all a, except it could go up and down it's not a flat hardwood floor it's a, it's a tilted hardwood floor and you know there's no explaining it you have to be there and see it to understand i mean i'm not exaggerating when i say you know a six inch putt cannot be taken for granted at all in any way shape or form i mean Uh, Let alone a one-footer, a two-footer, a three-footer. I mean, they're all beyond treacherous, to put it mildly. And I'm sure you just saw that for two straight days, right?
4: Yeah, every time there was a putt involved, uh, you know, you could tell that everybody was taking their time, of course. But once, you know, they hit the the ball, I mean, it would take off. I I, I just couldn't believe the, the speed.
1: Right. And, you know, putting is one thing, AP, but the other remarkable thing about it is, and, we, and you see it every year, is, you know, when you hit your approach shot to the green, how many of them roll back or fly past, whatever, but especially the rollbacks where, you know, you'll see them on these, make these little ridges and then it just starts so, so slowly. You know, each revolution seems to take five seconds and... Then it picks up momentum and it'll often get down 20, 30, 40 yards. And, you know, again, when you're there, it's amazing to witness. I'm sure you saw a lot of that too, right? Yes.
4: We saw an eagle, a uh, rollback for an eagle. We saw quite a few take a little drink in the water. Yep. Uh, it was something, uh, that happened quite frequently, especially at 15. Uh, so, yeah, it was very tricky. I mean, it's unbelievable that the, the greens how was like slick and just like ice and
1: you have to be Correct, very careful. The, right, and by the time you get to four o'clock on Sunday for the back nine, you know, they're they're they've been you know, trampled tramped down, whatever, you know, and just uh firmed up, shall we say. And uh yeah, so by then it, it's just really uh you know, amazing to watch and uh I guess I'm going to guess you probably heard the epic Augusta roar for Matt Kuchar's hole-in-one on the 16th?
4: Sure did. Yeah, it was very loud. You you know, something really fantastic occurred just right behind us, uh, right uh, right near us, you know, and that was really loud.
1: I'll bet. I'll bet. Uh, So what was your strategy? How did you do it? Did you, like, follow golfers, or or did you go to... Spots.
4: Well, we first got there on Saturday. I just want we just were at the seventh green, I believe it was. We wanted to just watch because you can get a look at several holes. Okay. First around the seventh, so we did that, and then we went to a few other holes that day, just and stayed there. And then on Sunday, I wanted to get a look at Justin Thomas, the golfer from Alabama, so about here for about three or four holes. And then we wanted to go on the back nine a little bit more than we had the previous day. So, uh, we did that. And then we wanted to definitely uh, get on the 15th green. We thought that would be a good spot.
2: Absolutely.
1: Good choice.
4: that That was our plan.
1: All right. Well, fabulous, AP. What a great report. Uh, you know, to get your perspective from actually being at one of the greatest Masters Sundays ever. And uh, but why don't we take our break now? We have lots more to discuss, needless to say. And uh, but for now, let's take our break and we'll get to a lot of other topics and still talk a little more Masters on the other side.
2: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America.
0: You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144, or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show.
1: Voice America listeners, welcome back to segment three of All Around Sports, and I'm your host, John Inglesby. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. And back on the line with us is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine, who was in Augusta, Georgia, Saturday and Sunday, to personally witness uh, one of the great Masters tournaments of all time. And we talked about a previous segment, A.P., but, uh, you know, let's just continue talking more about it. Uh, obviously, we talked about Sergio and Justin and their fabulous back nine duel yesterday. But uh and by the way, before I, before I forget, the sportsmanship exhibited by those two as they were going head to head, mano a mano, was just exemplary. I don't ever remember seeing anything quite like it. We all know they're both in Ryder Cup teammates uh many times over. But were you catching any of that, AP? Because it was special on TV.
4: Yeah, we saw some of that, John. It's always nice to see the two competitors uh, appreciate the game and display that sportsmanship. Uh, I I have a strong uh, sense for somebody who has that class on on the the course or any other field of play.
1: Me too. Me too. I I think it was at the highest level I can ever remember. Uh, Throughout the back nine, uh, you know, I think Justin Rose fist-pumped. Sergio after the 15th, the Eagle. Uh, but throughout, you know, they were walking along. They were, you know, uh, just put on a show of sportsmanship, the likes of which we rarely see, if ever. It was just, again, next level stuff. And uh, boy, I thought it was just so perfect for the game of golf and really especially perfect for Sunday at Augusta.
4: Yeah, John, it was, it was a lot of fun to watch those two guys. Uh, and, you know, I, I was kind of glad Sergio won. I mean, he waited so long. And, uh, yeah. And, and on Seve, uh, Seve's birthday, I mean, besides winning the Masters, that's epic in itself. But to, you know, mesh with his, his hero's birthday, that, I mean, the chances of that happening are incredible. So it was special in so many ways for Sergio.
1: It really was. And, uh, you know, I'm a Sergio fan. For a lot of reasons, I just thought he was due most importantly. But, uh, you know, when he was playing the Deutsche Bank up here a few years back in uh, Labor Day weekend, the Spain national soccer team, which had just won the World Cup, was playing at uh, Gillette Stadium. So Sergio came up and practiced with them. I was there covering it. And two things. Number one, he, he's a very good soccer player. And if you you showed up, AP, that day at the reigning World Cup champions soccer practice uh, and were just watching and had no idea who Sergio was, you would not have thought for a second, like, what's that guy doing there? He doesn't belong. He was that good. And number two, uh, he was so tremendous with the media afterwards and the fans taking pictures, Gracious uh great quotes with the media taking again giving autographs and hanging out with fans media and that day i grew to like sergio and i've been a fan ever since and that was five six seven years ago and so again that's why i was particularly happy to see him you know break through and win yesterday and uh but sergio and justin rose were not the only two golfers uh what were your observances about other golfers and their following and that type of thing over the over the weekend?
4: Yeah, John, I think Bill Mickelson, maybe he has the biggest following because he does some magical things on the on the course and and so he always gets a you know you can always tell when he's coming to the hole because there's all these people rushing to the rope line. And then when right. he finishes at that hole then they exit. They make a strong exit. So he, he gets a, a huge following. And then uh, I think people really appreciated Fred Couples competing at uh, the age of 57. I mean, there were only nine golfers ahead of him going into the fourth round. So at 57 years old, he had a 2.17 and, you know, it was 2.10 with the leader. So uh, that, that's pretty nice for Fred Couples to have that moment. And, of course, Ricky Fowler and Jordan Speaks, a couple of the younger players people like to watch them, and uh, and Coocher uh, every time he'd make a shot, the people would uh, you know, voice his name you Cooch know, and you, know, you hear that rumbling all through the gallery of uh so every time he made a, a big shot
1: he of course made the shot of the day to a degree uh with this hole in one on the sixteenth, and uh that was awesome and you know, he had a good tournament and, you know, he, he may be the next guy that, uh, you know, could break through because he really he finished strong, especially when you consider hole in one, three holes from the finish. And, uh, you know, uh, so he, he may assume the mantle. There's a few of them. Ricky Fowler, you know, yeah. best player never to win a major. But I've got to think off the top of my head that Matt Kuchar has been around a while. So with Sergio's 74 starts without a major. By the boards, Matt Kucher may now be up there, along with uh, uh, I'm trying. Well, along with a host of other uh, right. Great yeah. Bosses. Oh yeah, I'm, Lee, uh, Lee Westwood. Then, Lee Westwood and, and, comes
4: to mind. Mm-hmm. One other player that they like to follow is Rory McIlroy. He's a favorite right. as
1: well. Yes. Yes. So, AP, what was it like? going through the gates and everything? Uh, big crowd? Were you there early or, uh, you know, on time or just a little? I know you had a little driving to get there each day. Yeah, the, the, well, Saturday,
4: actually, we we were there about, I guess it was 1.30. So okay. that was plenty of time to see quite a bit of golf. Oh, yeah. We had to park further away. But then on Sunday, we were there 9.30. So at had... Uh, time to uh, just get acclimated and situated and so yeah it, it's better to get there early and kind of relaxed you know, but uh, you know we couldn't do that on Saturday obviously we had a little bit of a drive and we stayed in Augusta that evening so well you able did to good just, for you yeah, but, yeah we were able to, fortunate to get a room and take our time and but we wanted to get there early because we wanted to park inside inside the gates because of all that free parking and you're pretty close by but even when you walk in John it's, it's it's quite a walk just to get to the,
1: to the course, even if you're close. Oh, yeah. It's a massive place. I mean, it's one of the most beautiful plots of land on the planet, in my estimation. Uh, and it's massive. Yes, you are... Uh, I'm going to guess you walked 10 miles or more yesterday and Saturday. Uh, I know I know, I did.
2: <laughs> Am I about right
1: on that? Probably. I'm, I'm sure oh, you yeah. did. No doubt in my mind. If not 15 or 20, uh, you just every you know it's it's a big place uh to say the least and were the prices for the food and drink still uh still as low as i remembered yeah two
4: dollars for the lemonade and three dollars for the chicken sandwich and so that was fine that was yeah, reasonable they didn't try to charge the six dollars for a bottle of water or something like that so i was happy
1: It's very refreshing it truly is when you uh you know you have basically night as i like to say 1950s prices and uh (laughs) you know augusta is in many places frozen in time and prices are one of those things that have been frozen forever so i'm glad to hear that uh and were you able to sense what i'm going over some of the things we discussed last week when i was trying to give you some tips uh Were you able to get a sense of like how people put their lawn chairs right at the rope and then they're kind of own that spot for the day, no matter if they're there or not, until they return?
4: Oh, we sure did, John, actually, yeah, uh, I went with my cousin, he ended up buying a chair, so we set that down, and just as you told me, people leave their chairs and walk around the course and come back and sit down, everybody was very friendly. Who, who was uh, associated with the Masters, the, all the people at the Masters, fans, uh, so everybody was uh, on good behavior. So
1: it, it was a pleasant experience all around. Good, good. Well, you know, I'm just so glad you got to go and that uh, you saw, you know, just one of the all time classics. I don't think anybody would dispute that. You saw history with. Sergio breaking through. You had perfect weather. Uh, it just doesn't get much better than that. I, again, I thought of you all weekend long, and and you really, uh, you know, you nailed it by uh, happening to attend this Masters for the for your first time there. Yeah, maybe I'm spoiled now, John. Since Correct. everything went perfect. Correct. <laughs> That's exactly what I was thinking. You know what. I don't know what to top that AP. I really don't. Uh, you know, you, you saw. You, you, I mean, there was a playoff. You know, with, every, with everything we're saying, not only did we get seventy-two holes, you got seventy-three. You got a, a you got an eighteen-hole playoff, or one-hole playoff on hole eighteen. Uh, so yeah, again, uh, good for you. Uh, I want to return. I'm guessing you probably do too. What's it really, it really gets its hooks in you?
4: I think so. Yeah, I look forward to the next time. I'm hoping that's going to happen next, uh, in 2018. I look forward to that moment, and I'll be on the lookout. You know, you know, applying for the deadline and all those things. But I, I want to come back to Augusta, Georgia for sure.
1: Me too. Me too. 2018 sounds pretty good to me as well. So. AP, great report. Uh, I feel like uh, you enhanced our listeners' uh, experience uh, with the Masters in general. and uh, Awesome. Uh, So why don't we take our final break? Still have a few more things we can get to, but uh, we'll do that on the other side.
2: Tune in every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America.
0: You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144, or by sending an email to IIR at Comcast.net.
1: Now, back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to the fourth and final segment of All Around Sports. I am your host, John Inglesby. And back on the line with us is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Studham of Bama Magazine. Before we get started, my pick of the week for appointment viewing is tonight's Chicago Cup racing there. First World Champ- Series championship banner in 108 years at Wrigley Field. Should be special. Uh, ESPN all day has been giving daily reports, I'm guessing right now. Wrigleyville is filling up, and that's going to be a serious party, AP, uh, tonight. It should be some good viewing as well. Yeah, it
4: should be, it should be great,
1: and uh, I know
4: everybody looks forward to that.
1: Absolutely. Well, looking forward to it for 108 years, so... Uh, <laughs> it's going to be yet yet another Wrigleyville party, and uh, I've already got the DVR fired up and going to record it and looking forward to it, and uh, yeah, so AP, we had the beginning of baseball coinciding nicely with Masters week. Uh, it was fun up here, opening day with the Pittsburgh Pirates, the team I grew up with in Western Pennsylvania, and uh, so it was a great week, and I went, uh, went to the game, game two, on Wednesday night, uh, preceded by a Pittsburgh Pirates fan club party, uh, crossing down the street from Fenway. So it was a great week, but one thing that everybody was talking about, and I've never heard it, I, you hear it every year, but I've never heard it with such volume as this year, is just, why does Major League Baseball start the season in the northeast or midwest for that matter with these games and tough weather uh and you know when they could when it's when everybody seems to be saying and bringing it up like it's a it's a hotter topic than i've ever seen of you know start the season in domes or down south or out west uh you know opening day was nice wednesday night really cold the game i went to and Thursday was a total rain out. So all these people from Pittsburgh that I met drove up or flew up. Didn't get to see a game on uh, Thursday. And, you know, now they have a scheduling issue and it just happens year in, year out. So you live down south. You could relate. do you, don't you think it's time to just do that? Uh, it just seems to make common sense.
4: Yeah, no pun intended, John. I'm sure that's a hot topic, as you stated. So, I, but I, you know, I understand them wanting to have that Chicago celebration relatively early. People are chomping at the bit to, you know, to party. And they hadn't done that in 108 years. But I, you think they were able to set up a schedule where the teams start down south, out west, in the domes, just right. to just to take care of their fan bases, not to subject them to the harsh weather. Uh, it, I mean, they can do all these things relatively easy, probably. I mean, you put it in the computer and it will come up with the correct scheduling and everybody will be happy and a little bit warmer and not have to suffer through the
3: cold.
1: Right. And, you know, it just seems, and plus they would avoid a scheduling nightmare for themselves and their teams. And I give them credit. I mean, tonight's obviously the first game in Chicago. But it's a week after the season began, in some yeah. cases eight days, and, you know, right now I'm staring out the window at a 70-degree day in Boston, and tomorrow it's supposed to be 80, repeat 80, in Boston. So one week, yeah, so one week, like what they did with Chicago, in other words, Chicago's first two series to start the year, obviously, on the road. I don't yeah. know the weather in Chicago today, but, you know... If it were in Boston, uh, people would be loving it. That's for darn sure because uh, spring has arrived and a week makes is like the difference of night and day, potentially, this time of year.
4: Yeah, John. I mean, just that week, 10 days, just give it a chance. Give it a try. See what exactly. I mean, they, they experiment with in professional sports, college sports. Just make
1: that attempt. Yeah, well, I've never heard so many people talking about it It's uh, as this year. It just seems to be a bigger topic each year because nobody can quite figure it out. And uh, hopefully uh, it will come to pass at some point. Uh, I've sat through a lot of cold, cold, raw, rainy games, and boy, it's no fun. Uh, I got to tell you, not for baseball. It just doesn't lend itself to that. I mean, baseball in the 50s. Is harder to sit through than football in the twenties or in the teens. There's just it's just something about the way the games are played.
4: Yeah, I wonder, John. I mean, I would think someone has a has requested from the commissioner's office an explanation. I mean, I haven't read it myself, but I mean, over the over the years, I mean, somebody probably posed that question. I mean, is there a good answer? Why not have they yeah. have the games? Played in the South, in
1: the West, and in the Domes. Right. Well, the good news is Commissioner Rob Manfred has shown himself to be uh, very open to change. So, if anybody's going to get it done, I would think he might be the commissioner that would take this on. And uh, you know, we'll see. And again, it just you hit it perfectly. It just seems like you know, plug it into a computer and see what happens. Maybe there's issues that. We're not aware of, but, you know, uh, to me, if they haven't done it already, I I hope they do. And another big story this week, of course, uh, culminating yesterday is Russell Westbrook uh, breaking the big O, Oscar Robertson's record for triple doubles. Looks like he might average triple double if it's not in the bag already for the season. And yesterday. Put an exclamation point on it with a fifty point game and a game and a three pointer from thirty-five to win it yesterday. It was awesome. To watch.
4: <laughs> That's the, the exclamation point, right, Sean? For the MVP and the the cap of season. And when you have your name and Oscar Robertson in the same sentence, that sounds like an MVP season to me.
1: Yeah, I think he's gonna win the MVP now. I I think his recent surge here the, the way he's done it he's now set the record number one so it's an all time historic season for an individual player that record was up there with you know some pretty sacred sports records uh, it's like nobody ever thought it would get broken and uh, but now it has been and I think a lot of it is just the style in which he's done it uh, now just you know just elevates him above James Harden for MVP. I, I I think it's kind of in the back now.
4: Yeah, John, that's over fifty seasons ago, right? Was that was that in '62 or so, or something like that?
1: I believe so. Yes, yes.
4: Yeah, so I mean, yeah. you know, it's, it's a very special moment in NBA history and professional basketball. So I don't see how you can not vote for Russell Westbrook for the MVP. I mean, correct. You know, he loses Kevin Durant, and his team is still winning. So, yeah, he's an exceptional player.
1: Yeah, and he more than kept his team relevant, if not in the spotlight, after the departure of Kevin Durant. And that, in and of itself, is as impressive, if not more so, than James Harden really changing his game under Coach Mike D'Antoni and elevating the Rockets to become... You know, one of the top teams in the league, and all credit to him for doing that too. But I think when you look back on the season, you know you're going to pick Russell So There, that alone, I think he should get the MVP, and I think he will.
4: I think so too, and it's the correct. I think it's the correct vote. I mean, it's always going to be pretty close, John. I mean, right. Voting for the MVP. It's not like there's, you know, maybe a clear-cut winner. Some some years, and this is one of those years where it's very close. So, right. you know, Russ. If I had a vote, Russell Westbrook.
1: That's it. He would get my vote too. And let's not forget that when Ted Williams hit four hundred six, last player to hit four hundred in the nineteen forties, he did not win the MVP because that was the year of Joe DiMaggio's fifty six game hitting streak, and he got the MVP. So, <laughs> right. we we've plowed this field before of two players having. Special seasons, but only one can win, and uh, uh, we'll see what happens. But once again, AP, uh, you know, oh, by the way, one last note before we close here is uh, watch a little spring football over the weekend. Uh, Florida State, a little Auburn, Mississippi, so spring football is underway. It's it's awesome.
4: Oh, yeah, John, I can't wait. I didn't get a chance to see fit Stidham there. I heard he did pretty well. with auburn but i'm looking forward to watching him and uh, alabama's will be in two weeks on the 22nd so look forward to that john a little bit of news uh alabama will play memphis to open the basketball season at the 2017 veterans classic in annapolis maryland
1: oh on that note that's a great great tip to look forward to and uh on that note we'll have to close out the show but ap thanks again for your report From the Masters, you were there Saturday and Sunday. It was awesome to get your perspective, and thanks for everything.
4: Well, thank you, Jonathan. My pleasure.
1: All right. Thanks again, and as always, thank you all for listening to All Around Sports, and we look forward to doing it all again next Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern time.